Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with all the usual suspects, Corey Thone, Corey Smith, Annie Bundle, and Isis Melton, and we're here to talk about Game of Thrones Season 7, and we finally have a premiere day. Yay! Cue uh, audience clap track. Whatever. Hooray. Anyway, um, we got some exciting things to talk about this, this episode, and... Um, Let's start off with the premiere date. And Annie, since you were the the wise sage, why don't you go ahead and tell us all about that? Uh, the premiere date is exactly as I predicted it would be. It is in the old True Detective slot of July 16th. And anyone with any brains could have actually figured this out themselves. All they had to do was take a calendar, put the finale on the Sunday before U.S. Labor Day, and count backwards seven, and you would have landed right on the 16th. Unfortunately, HBO didn't realize that, you know, most of us can count to seven and have calendars. So they thought it would be a great idea to reveal this information that we couldn't possibly figure out ourselves by um, melting a piece of ice with a blade in it to reveal the date. (laughs) Now, I'm sure in a boardroom somewhere back about three months ago, this sounded like the most genius idea anyone had ever had. And I'm absolutely certain that every single person involved with this thought that this was the most genius idea they had ever had until it went live on Facebook about two o'clock and at about 205 they suddenly realized that they had all failed high school physics and that people want things right away they they don't want to wait an hour okay here's the thing right like as we were all said because everybody knew this was going to happen right like isis had written this up for culturists we were all ready to go and i literally saw on twitter as i was waiting um another tv reviewer joke What, they're not really going to make us watch that entire block of ice melt, are they? (laughs) And then, oh my god, they're going to make us watch that entire block of ice melt, aren't they? (laughs) And And didn't didn't people have to type fire in the comments to make it increase the heat or whatever? No, 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 okay, that was the idea. You were supposed to type fire to increase the fire. But that's bull, okay? Literally, they're just, they have a freaking flamethrower, okay? And they can only hold it for so long before it gets too hot. And then the stagehand has to stop. Okay, that's how flamethrowers work. All right? So, and also, Facebook Live only lasts 15 minutes. So every 15 minutes, you would reach the end and it would stop. And there would be this pause and we would all be like, okay, so it didn't melt all the way yet. Can they just announce the date, please? (laughs) No? Okay, we're back. Okay, let's do this again. Oh, look, now they've got two flamethrowers. (laughs) Oh, now look, the third time. Oh, now look, now they've got a power flamethrower that's doing bursts. Oh, my oh God. now look, now they have both flamethrowers and the power burster all going at once. And that actually, for the record, when they finally got both flamethrowers going and the power burster all together, that's when we actually, that's when the ice began to actually really melt. And really, that's what they should have done from the beginning. But they didn't realize it because, honestly, apparently no one actually thought about how much fire it takes to melt a very large ice sculpture. Corey Thone, you're you're a big meme guy like I am. I'm I'm imagining the the boardroom meme where everybody's like, "Hey, what should we do for the for the reveal?" And this guy's like, "Hey, let's do a block of ice." And the guy's like, "Hey, let's just announce it on Twitter." And they throw him out the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I can I can tell you exactly how this went. This was the idea by people who um, know nothing about social media or uh, well, 
Yeah, anything. Like they thought I feel like there was something that happened in the past where for a promotion somebody put some company put a big block of ice with something frozen in it in like a town square and had it melt over the course of like three days before but I, I know I've read about something like that, so I feel like Somebody else read about Hasn't that. Hasn't David comedy. Blaine does, done that or somebody? That's something, diff- that's something different. I meant like <laughs> an actual product. But yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just uh, I don't I don't understand how that got so, – it happened apparently. I didn't know this happened. So it, it apparently did happen. So up until the last minute, nobody – they never like tested it. Nobody ever said anything. That's so amazing to me. This was such a <laughs> – a brilliantly stupid thing to have happened. It's free comedy. I mean, really, it was. And the best part was watching, because I was running the Twitter account for Wick and for Culturist at the same time, and we uh, at least Culturist follows a lot of TV reviewers, all of whom's job it was to sit here and wait for the reveal date. <laughs> and so you literally have this group of people who are trapped watching a block of ice melt on the internet because it is their job. And it was just, I mean, it was high comedy. I mean, I, I, you, I felt a little bad for HBO, but at the same time, I was like, HBO brought this on themselves. I mean, seriously, we are watching in real time the failure of high school physics. You want to know about how our public schools are failing us? Right there, people. Right let's, there. Not fail no. to, let's not fail to mention the fact that our own editor-in-chief, uh, Dan Selke, melted a piece of ice. So oh yes, he he demonstrated. He, dem- <laughs> uh, he was on a Facebook Live for Wick, and he demonstrated the futility of doing this, basically in small in, in a much smaller uh, setting. <laughs> so here's here's my question: Is <laughs> which one was more of a disappointing slow melt to nothing, Game of Thrones or Rachel Maddow? Rachel Maddow did exactly what I tell all of my writers who write in our social progress category, and that is you sit down and you give us context. You don't just start talking about how you're mad on the Internet about something. I right. want at least two paragraphs of context explaining why this is a thing and why it is important. They could have just shown us the John Oliver sketch from four months ago well, about yeah. how his taxes I'm sure for context. Probably couldn't get them the rights that fast. That's true. I mean, she did true. only get the tax returns like an hour before the show went on the air. This is such a topical anyway, thing to talk about. Yeah, we're, we're very – we have swerved hard into real Game of Thrones. <laughs> the real political side of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Speaking of the, the reveal date, it's July 16th, and ISIS, I have to ask you, what did you think of – the first teaser trailer uh, had that had that come across to you. Well, I mean, after watching a block of ice for what was it? I think an hour and twenty minutes. No, I was yeah, I was ready for anything. I mean, literally anything. <laughs> and so um, I, I felt like what they gave us was nice, but I I, I wanted so much more, and I understand that. They don't have very many episodes this year, so they're holding, you know, they're kind of, you know, holding them close to the vest. They don't want to show too much and reveal too much or whatever. Um, but I, I did like the the music, of course, was incredible. That's the first thing that drew drew me to it. Um, but just seeing, you know, the house Stark and and uh, the dragon, I mean, everything, all those symbols, um, and then it's, you know, it's 
going around circle and everything. I really thought that was a, a really nice touch. I think it would have been more impactful, in my opinion, it would have been more impactful if we had not sit, sat there for an hour and 20 or 15 minutes watching a block of ice. I mean, actually, I'm serious. I would like, no, I would actually like to disagree with you because, okay. well, okay, here's the thing. Most people I've talked to have said that they, this is basically the exact same thing they gave us last year. It's a bunch of quotes from the old seasons over some visual that they've created for this. Mm-hmm. All right, last year it was the wall of faces. Right. This year it's, it's, it's a CGI thing. And, and actually, last year's Hall of Faces took more effort on their part because they had to actually life cast all those masks of the actors, right? And they had to actually make those faces, whereas this is mostly just the manip- manipulation of electrons. But this one, everyone felt was more satisfying. Why is that? And that's because they weren't expecting it, and they waited an hour and 20 minutes to get it, rather than it being the big hyped thing and them sitting down at HBO at 8.56 waiting and getting that. Does that make cool. sense? Yeah, oh yeah, I I completely agree with you. I think that, you know, but on its own, had it just been something that No, it it would have just it would have been like last year. Yes. People would have been like, wah, wah, wah. But, um, but it was, I mean, it, it, it was something nice to see after, you know, spending 120, uh, excuse me, an hour and 20 minutes waiting for this ice to blow, uh, to melt. Um, I, I was tweeting along with, um, with Annie and it was kind of funny because we're, we're both sitting there and we're like, how is this really happening? Like what is going on? And it, it to me, it just seemed like a, a whole lot of people that just really didn't think this whole entire situation through very well. And, um, but I think it really kind of drew all of us together, like, you know, as a community, because you know, instead of sitting there... We going, watched the ice melt as a family. <laughs> Where were you? Where were you when the ice melted? That's exactly. What that's, how, that's how I feel about them. Like, did you watch the ice melt? And if you tell anybody that, they'd probably be like, Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. yeah that's you that's know. true, because I went to Pilates that night, and they were like, so how was your day? And I said, I watched ice melt for an hour and 20 minutes. They were like, really? No. Seriously, what was that? It was great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really, it, it brought a, it brought the, the community, uh, the fan base of Game of Thrones. So, so you know what, it, it, maybe HBO's it really are geniuses. They brought us all together. We oh, come about, on, they are. They are. They, they, they made some faux pas, but they, they, they've done a really good job. Corey yeah, Smith, and, and, you uh, had something I mean, to say, I, think, I thought. I think they, to be honest, I think that was a mistake, but, but I mean, in, in the, you know, if you think about it, uh, it's it's pretty genius because I mean we we all we all were talking again about Game of Thrones and we all were all doing it as a community. It was almost like live tweeting an episode, uh, like when we you know normally do when we have a, a new episode. And it was really great. It gave us that uh, it gave me that tingly feeling again that I get when when we're watching a new episode and live tweeting it. So I think it was actually a really great great thing that happened, even though it was super silly. Corey Smith, you uh, had a chance to go to South by Southwest over the weekend where David Benioff and Dan Weiss, the showrunners, were there along with Macy Williams, Arya Stark, and Sylvie Turner, uh, Sansa Stark. Uh, you were there in the room, so give us a little bit of the rundown, um, but lead off with the big news about Season 8. So it, they didn't really give a description of what the panel was going to be before it happened. But so there wasn't a whole lot of news. It was mainly them reminiscing about, you know, filming the thus far the seven seasons. But the big news was that season eight is officially going to be six episodes. Oh, um, a dagger in my heart. 
to the point. Why? That's exactly what we've been expecting this in whole time. It, and it, it was what we've been expecting, but we had kind of heard maybe, you know, because HBO hadn't officially renewed Game of Thrones for season eight. So we had kind of heard, you know, maybe they're they're still tweaking with how many episodes it's going to be. Maybe it'll be seven. Maybe they'll add it. You know what I mean? They hadn't, fi- you know, nailed it down. But they were very specific. They said season six. They've already got a 140 page outline uh, for for the season. Um, they've already assigned the writers for each episode. I think uh, Brian Brian Cogman is doing the second episode, nice. and I, I forget who's doing the first. But then uh, Weiss and Benny Offer splitting the last uh, four. So, which will be uh, interesting. What's that? That'll be interesting to have them. Uh, yeah. So second. they they've they've nailed down how many episodes it's going to be. They've they've got their plan in motion because. If I remember correctly, uh, Liam Cunningham said that they're going to start filming again in September. So Yeah, they go straight from season seven's finale to back to filming. They have to if they want to keep winter. Right. So, so, I mean, they're they're already rocking and rolling on season eight. They haven't started filming, but, you know, they're, they're not in the off-season for them right now. So that was the big news. Um, you know, the rest of the panel was kind of Maisie and Sophie. Um, they were technically the moderators. Of the, of the panel. Um, <laughs> so they were the ones, you know, asking uh, Benny Alf and Weiss all the questions, which we found out later. Uh, Dan Weiss was actually the one who wrote the questions. Uh, <laughs> so God, that was such control freaks. Yeah, that was interesting because at one point uh, towards the end, he was like, yeah, I, I wrote this question, but now I, I just really don't want to answer it. And um, so... You know, but it was, it was fun. It was a good time. Um, they lost about 10 minutes of the panel because apparently they were in the back uh, taking pictures with uh, Vice President Joe Biden, um, who was in I the hall. blame them? No, but I mean, we're all sitting there. I mean, I got there, I got there 11 o'clock for a 3.30 panel, and then I got in the room at like 1.00 so that I could be close to the stage. And so then, you know, 3.30 rolls around, and they, they don't come on stage until, like, 3.40-something. So so were you close to the stage? Yeah, I was only about three rows back. Um, nice. So, I, I mean, I was I was pretty damn close. So it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I mean, all, they told all kinds of behind-the-scenes stories from filming over the, over the past few years. Um, apparently... When they were filming season one, uh, one night, uh, Benioff, Weiss, Jason Momoa, who played Kyle Drogo in the first season, and uh, Amelia Clark, who obviously plays Daenerys, they went to a bar, and they got pretty shit-faced, and <laughs> Benioff thought that it'd be a good idea to play the slap game with Jason Momoa. <laughs> Which is, you know, for those that don't know, it's where you put your hands together out and the, the, your opponent tries to slap them before you can move. Well, obviously, I mean, I mean, you've seen Kyle, you've seen Momoa. I mean, he's gigantic. He's Aquaman. Right. He, he's huge. He's Conan. He's Aquaman. He's Kyle Drogo. I mean, he's a giant of a man. And... Um, you know, so obviously it didn't end well. He ended up breaking both of Benioff's hands. Uh, <laughs> and uh, apparently he flew home the next day. And when he got home, his his wife was like, what the hell is wrong with your hands? 
And when she told him, uh, when he, when Benioff told his wife what had happened, she basically gave them, gave him the "you're sleeping on the couch" look um, for being so stupid to play the slap game with Momoa. So that's awesome. You know who his wife is, right? Amanda yes, Pete. Amanda Pete. Yeah. Yes, and she's awesome in so, her own right. What? <laughs> you didn't know that? Yeah. Uh, 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 the reason that Amanda Pete shows up at every single Game of Thrones thing is she's married to David Benioff. Oh, yeah, I didn't know she showed up at every Game of Thrones thing. So she yeah. had a funny story last season before season six started, talking about Jon Snow, uh, how she was mad that they killed Jon Snow, and uh, oh. they, they wouldn't tell her. Many off or wise, they, they wouldn't tell her. And they and they they were telling prank stories too. And apparently during season one, another thing they did was they wrote this elaborate. Y'all remember the scene where uh john comes in and rescues uh lord commander mormont from the the white yeah and he throws the he throws the lantern and burns the white well and they they wrote this elaborate scene gave the script to kit harrington where the white throws some of the fire back at him (laughs) and burns off most of his face and all of his hair and they said that hbo had told them that that kit harrington was basically too disney too pretty and so they needed to kind of rough him up a little bit. And so they were going to burn off most of his face. And uh, they said they kept it going until Benioff burst out laughing. So <laughs> Can you imagine Kit Arrington doing that? Like, yeah. uh, I can't even imagine, man. Especially if well, he I mean, even what? He's, he's, he, was, he was so young at that point. Right. Like, you know, and you want to do, like, you want to do what they tell you to do. but Exactly. Oh, that poor kid. <laughs> yeah, and they did, and they did the same thing to Alfie Allen later in the in the series. I think they said during season three, they wrote a big script, sent it to him, and and said he was going to die um, during that season, and he was going to get brought back as a white, but not just any white, a completely and always naked white. <laughs> and so. He was going to spend his time running around the the rest of the series as a naked white, and apparently they were interrupting him when he was at a party in Ibiza or something, and so he was just really kind of depressed as he was getting this news while he was at a party, and so they they have a long history of doing that, and so a lot of the a lot of what they were saying was just you know kind of behind the scenes type stuff as opposed to the news that you know we kind of thought we were going to get, we thought we might get some new footage or you know a scene or two from, from season seven, but we didn't, you know, we didn't get any of that. It was well, mainly just, let's do, let's, stuff. let's do talk about the, the joking comment. I mean, obviously we can call it a joking comment. We don't know how it's going to play out in the season, but, uh, Benioff's comment about Corey Thone's favorite thing, the ice dragon. Yes. So, you know, they did a, they had a little thing where you could text in your questions and they're reading it off a screen. And one of the questions was, um, is it possible to have an ice dragon or have a drag? More specifically, they asked, is it possible to have a dragon controlled and raised by the whites? So if you kill a dragon, are the whites able to bring it back to life? And we've seen them bring back horses yeah. on the show. And I think, have we seen a bear on the is show? We haven't or? actually seen them bring back horses, but we've seen them riding We've seen them riding right. dead okay. horses, and there's rumors of... A bear. And of a bear, season. and yeah. there's a dead bear in the book. They control a dead bear in the book. So the so they well, also when ride was, giant ice spiders in the books too. So right. Mm-hmm. So when he was asked, Benioff replied, or I think it was, maybe it was Weiss, and he replied, maybe. 
And that was basically all he said about that. And, I mean, to me, his tone of voice kind of implied that it might be true. Um, So, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Corey Thone, you might get your ice dragon after all. I guess. I guess. guess. You're not happy about this? You're only only happy if that ice dragon comes out of the wall. I I honestly, I don't really... If it happens, I'm assuming it'll be cooler than what it sounds. Listen, man, those dragons have been put through hell and back. They've been kept under the pyramids, and now they're finally free. And now we're probably going to watch one get killed and re- and turn into an ice dragon. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. Although, uh, are you ready to see them in their full, uh, fully grown? Though I, I am. Thanks for segueing to that. Uh, they and this is a story came out from Entertainment Weekly today, and we covered it on Wick that. Um, one of the directors for the episode said that the dragons will be the size of a Boeing 747. That's what kind of dragons we're going to be looking at in Season 7. Can you imagine a Lannister army going up against three full-sized 747-length dragons? I mean, that's amazing to me. I'm not even sure how they're going to pull that off on screen. In fact, I don't know how... uh, all the budget has to go to the CGI this year, right? Any, I mean, like, all the budget, any kind of extra budget they had has to go to those dragons if they're going to be that size. If anything, it's probably why we are only getting seven episodes, other than the fact that these guys are exhausted. I mean, I feel like part of it is that they can't afford seven episodes if they're going to be doing that level of CGI for TV. Yeah, and and they actually did mention this at South by... Um, they said that they had three full uh, special effects teams running uh, the full, like, for all seven episodes. So wow. they were working the entire time. So I don't know how that compares to seasons in the past, but they had three separate teams running special effects. So i got to imagine that's bigger well, let's than Let's think about it for a second. Two. You've got you got three dragons who are 747 size. You've got the rumors of Macy Williams filming scenes with uh, Nymeria. That's the rumor. It's not conf- confirmed, but it's very strongly uh, rumored. Uh, you've got Ghost coming back in some fashion, and you've got the Night King and his army of whites. So, man, it's going to be a heavy right. CGI. Uh, and, that's ju- and that's just the parts we know are CGI. Remember, most of the cities are CGI. Most of the backgrounds are CGI. And the armies. A lot of what they actually win awards for are not like the dragons. I mean, they do win awards for the dragons, but what they win awards for as well is, you know, Marine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, that's what they win awards for because, I mean, Marine was basically a single pyramid out in a Spanish desert. And that's what they filmed, and then they made marine around it. I mean, that's so. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much CGI that goes into this on top of all of the, you know, reality based outdoor locations that they film at. It's it's very much a a, a mixture of both. Well, I can, I just can't imagine. I mean, ISIS I haven't heard from you in a while. What do you think about the dragons being this size? And can you even see? Like I, I've read comments, there was comments on on the article we wrote today. People were like, "That's not even fair." I'd like to see Danny lose some of her dragons to even the playing field. Like, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, it's tough because I I'm one of those fans that actually likes the dragons. I love seeing them, especially you know when they're out in full force, when they're all together. 
um, do if I have all three of them, do I need to see the entire body of it? Probably not. I think I will be okay with just you know seeing their their face and their you know their face and their neck or whatever, um, you know, blowing out fire and all that good stuff. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't be happy. I, I would not be happy with just partial dragon. I want really. Full, <laughs> I want a full dragon. See, that's the thing is that I think uh, I think tight shots, you know, on the dragon, and uh, because one of the one of the awesome things about the special effects with the dragons that I think is pretty interesting is the details that they go into, especially their facial, you know, features and and the expressions that they make. Uh, it makes it just that make them unique, and so that to me, I think that's you know, especially when uh, Danny's interacting with them, you know, face to face and everything, those tight shots. Oh, I love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the wide shot that they gave us at the end of uh, last season uh, when they were flying around the, uh, the boats. I mean, that was, that was spectacular. I mean, that was a way to cap off a freaking season. Um, So, you know what? I don't care. I let game of Thrones do whatever they want to do. Give them all the fucking money that they want. Give us our dragons, and I think we'll all be happy. I, I, I'm completely in in their hands at this point. Uh, so I'm not going to go ahead and, you know, say whether or not I like, you know, I want one thing versus the other. Give it to me all. I, I'm okay with it. Let's round back around to that teaser that we just kind of hinted on a little bit. Um, now, everybody watched the teaser. We've seen what was going on. To me, it looked like almost like the beginning of of an episode the astrolabe that goes around and around but except this time you've got dragons intertwined with uh, lions and with and, can I with bear with bear with, I saw a bear paw did you see that too I, yeah so that's my question uh is nobody's brought that up and I'm glad you said it why cuz here's the thing I love House Mormons <laughs> yes. so much. And I'm a Shonley, so take that what you will, people listening who uh, read the books and are trying to figure out why. But <laughs> in terms of just show stuff, and I've talked about it before, I, I love the dynamic of of what that family has added. They're on every, if you want to call them continents, fine. They're on every continent, every plane of the show. They're there. They're crucial to the plot <laughs> and they've had some of the best scene stealing three generations of scene stealers baby and i i just love actually i guess is it three or four i guess it's three so yeah. I, I just i love the family everything from at the wall teaching Jon snow to in the middle east i don't know with uh <laughs> <laughs> any essos yeah, there uh, in Essex County with Danny, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, uh, you know at the at the Battle of the Bastards with Liana, and also with the, the the shield at the last minute protecting John against Ramsey. Like this, such a cool family that we talked a lot about. Actually, the role that Liana, being the first house to sign, I think the first house in the show to sign with John. And to take up arms against the Boltons, the the role that she's going to play just as a queen that will need a husband, and the possible suitors that that John has, you know, in his midst. So right. we talked a lot about that. It could even be John, but I don't think so. I think obviously we're not going to get that in the show. I mean, like there could be talk of that in the books, maybe like maybe we'll do that, but obviously it's not going to happen. But I just 
I love seeing the bear there. It raised so many questions for me about the role of House Mormont going forward. And, uh, and, and hopefully means we're getting more Liana and more rising families from the north. Because everything that you guys have told me about the, the, the families of the north, everything from the, the, the reeds to the mermaid people to <laughs> – I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, they're not in the show. I don't know their names. But, they are uh, in the show, fool. Okay, yeah, the one guy stands up and says, oh, I should have gotten here sooner, King of the North. And the other guy's like, yeah, my bad. My name's Glover, King of the North. And, like, that's <laughs> all they say. Dude, one of them got killed at the red wedding, you fool. That was 18 years ago. I don't <laughs> I'm just saying, everything you guys have told me about those families, that they have a lot of awesome history, a lot of interesting things about them, and a lot of cool Characters that could start getting introduced as John starts building the Army of North, not to march south. He's doing it to face north. So, you know, that's something that's going to, I think, play into this season in a big way. So, that's true. Anyway. So I'm watching the – I'm watching the – go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just want to say something real quick. I agree with uh, Corey Thone. Um, you know, I think that at the end of it, if uh, Mormont took over – if she took over, if she ended up at the, you know, at the, uh, uh, as the winner, I guess you could say, uh, of the the lands, I would be completely okay with that. Like, I would be totally jazzed that that would happen. So, yeah, I didn't even think about the bear. I, that's a, a pretty good point. Well, I'm watching as the teaser show, again right now. Me. I'm watching the teaser again right now, and it's pretty cool. Like, it starts off, obviously, with Daenerys' three-headed dragons. And at first, they're attacking the um, they're attacking the stag of House Baratheon, and you can see like the, ant- the one side of the antler seems to be start to be breaking off against one of the dragons, and then the next scene shows a lion going for the throat of the stag. So that's basically to me showing you know that, that's the end of House uh, Baratheon, and then you've got um, a very cool effect, which I don't know why they did this because the house is basically dead except for Lady Elena. Um, you've got vines, vines wrapping around everything uh, with thorns on them, and that's one that's one thing to know is they're thorny vines, and it, it well, wraps itself around can, the bear. If I can jump in real quick, I, I think wrapping around the bear, I don't think, at least I hope, is not as foretell as foreshadowing as just. Lady Olena might be kind of the last one, but that bitch has got some thorns. Yeah, and she is the queen of thorns. Yeah, she is going to she's going to go down swinging. She is going to leave a lasting impact, hopefully on House House Lannister as well. Uh, I don't know why she's wrapping on the bear. I, I don't Maybe know. Maybe they meet in season seven. Oh my god, that would be the dream meeting. She would, the she queen would love the shit out of Liana. She would. That adopt would be, I don't. I don't think. Oh, 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 hold on. It could be Jorah that meets. Olympia. Yeah, there you go. Jorah, we, we seem to think, is going to be looking for a cure for grayscale and could be in the Citadel, which is on the Tyrell land. And I will note I will note that since the grayscale is on Jorah's arm, and this is probably reading way too much into it like I always do, the vines Wait. are wrapping around the paw of the bear. So Yeah, no, you're way too reading. Okay, well, I that's, honestly, that's what no, I do. I honestly think this is just metaphor. And then, of course, yeah. you, you see the rose get... Uh, destroyed by wildfire, um, and then it, it cues back to the, just all the animals, all kind of spinning around. So I like this teaser. I'm a, I'm I'm a fan of it. I thought it was nice. 
I think, Annie, you touched on it earlier when you said that this one and, and ISIS as well, people like this one more than the one for season six. But I think that the reason is that this one kind of gives us an idea of where season seven is going. I don't like, think so. I think it's all. Well, I think it's on. mostly metaphor. Let me well, interject. I, let me I, interject I, one more thing, Corey Smith. Before this, the, the end of this teaser is the coolest part of the entire part is right. all of the animals fall apart and they fall into the snow and it shows the circular pattern of the White Walkers. Right, and so, that's what I was. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Was that this shows us that the White Walkers might be the primary focus or threat or whatever you want to call it of the season, as opposed to like with the the Hall of Faces that they did for season six, that just kind of showed us, you know, hey, Game of Thrones is coming back. It didn't really well, give us any kind of sense of the direction of the season. And I think this one at least gives us a little sense of, you know, the White Walkers are going to be a big part of it as opposed to in seasons past when they've only shown up for, you know, one episode per season. I think more than that, too, it is the um, the taste left in people's mouths after the, after the seasons because season six was just one big sad trombone, the last two episodes, and season seven, or I mean maybe five, sorry. Five. Season five, five. Yeah, it was one big sad trombone, the last two episodes, and season six ended with some of those badass just those last two episodes, man, were so good. I know, and they I'm left they phenomenal. left so much they left they left so much open and people asking so many questions, so everybody's more excited for this season because they they feel better about how the previous season ended i think is a big part of it because uh, you know I, I the last thing i remember from season five is Thelma and louise theon <laughs> and louise jumping off of a, a brick wall so <laughs> yep <laughs> god it was so horrible let's not ever mention that again um so <laughs> you ready you ready theon i'm ready sansa <laughs> oh god <laughs> Oh, my God, I hate you. I'm never going to be able to watch that skin again. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> okay, so, um, Annie, you wanted to talk a little bit about the spinoff uh, before. Okay, well, this is this is, this is is one of the small things that came out of uh, the babblings, shall we say, at South by Southwest. Um, you know, one of the questions that was asked was, you know, about a spinoff. You know, HBO has been basically all but salivating over the idea that once... Game of Thrones ends. That I mean, seriously, what is HBO going to do when Game of Thrones ends? First right. of all, okay, right, exactly. Uh, you know, they they keep trying to make you know new shows come out, but honestly, it's Stars who seems to be able to make. I mean, seriously, did you see the American Gods trailer? Oh my God, yes. Oh my God. Anyway, um, so really, American Gods Ooh. looks amazing. Are we? Are we really? Okay, sorry, you guys must have read the books because I, I did. The, trailer just looked like a big pile of shit to me so what? okay Here, here's the thing right what i okay south by south okay just completely like we're just going off the rails here for a minute south by southwest there was an american gods panel as well they showed the first episode and what i thought was very funny was the people who saw that episode and put up reviews of it who had read the books loved it like absolutely like orgasmically loved it those people who saw the first episode who had never read the books and had no idea what was coming like you could literally tell in their review that they were like they they, they thought this was really good but they were completely befuddled they were like i'm sorry did a woman just eat a man with her entire vagina yes yes she did that's a thing that happens in the book yes yes mm. really is a golden age of literature 
really like the, the, the sense of vague bewilderment by the people who had not read the books for uh, at their at seeing the first episode was just really funny. Anyway, so okay, sorry. Back to what I was talking about. So HBO clearly you know, is is salivating on figuring out how to extend the Game of Thrones thing. They've been pushing Benny Offenweiss to add more episodes. They've been pushing to get more seasons. They managed to get a season eight and by doing by basically breaking up season seven into parts one and two. Um and somebody asked Benny and they've all said yes, of course we want Benny Offenweiss to come back. And when asked, Benny Off said, well, you know, it's pretty obvious HBO is going to do this. Um, <laughs> I look forward to watching it. Yeah, he's not coming back. They're done. Yeah, he he was like, we are we are not coming back for this. We, you know, it's time to pass this on to other hands. You know, yeah. and I know that there are people out there who are groaning, going, "No, I don't want that." You know, or people at HBO going, "No, no, we really need you guys. This is the winning formula." But I honestly really hope that they mean that and they stick to it. Yeah, me too. I think I think the impression I got when I was there is there. Dun, 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 dun. Sorry, you said you can't. It's like Pee Wee's Playhouse. Anytime anybody references the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, I have to sing it. So, <laughs> for fuck's sake, I don't even know what's going on anymore. It's the off season, baby. We're keeping it loose. Oh my god, it's awesome. So when they, yeah, when they were asked, it, Benioff said that when the show's over, he wants to spend like a month in a cold, dark room. Um, away from Game of Thrones, so I, I think I, I think they're done with it. I think they want to finish it off, but I think this process has been so exhausting for them that they, you know, that they're just ready to let someone else take the reins after they finish off their chunk of what there is. I mean, they both said that they want to work with each other again, that they want to continue writing together. But that they, yeah, they don't want to continue writing Game of Thrones. They they definitely think a prequel or a sequel is inevitable, um, but that they don't want to have any kind of part of writing. I, I bet it, the so. next show that they work on together will be some kind of Chicago Fire spinoff. Yeah. Next by you know, David you know Benioff and Dan Weiss, Chicago you know, Sanitation. What I think, you know what I think it'll be? I, I think after watching their work on the, the brief stint they did on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I think they should do comedy. Because their episodes were amazing, some of my favorite of the most recent seasons that they were in. And yeah, they, they talked about great. that. Yeah, the, I, I would love for them to turn around either on HBO or on, uh, you know, FX or somewhere to to make kind of a darker, like well, I guess a black comedy, however you want to phrase it, it, a dark comedy type show. I would absolutely love that. Yeah, and someone asked them if they wanted to write for Rick and Morty. Oh. Um, and they both were like, they both declined. They said we are not funny enough to watch, write for that show. Like they're like we would, we would just True. ruin it. They're like we would just ruin it. Like we're not good enough for that. Like comedy wise. So I don't know. I, I just yeah. I think they're done with. I think they they're ready to just be done with this marathon that's kind of consumed their lives for the past uh, what seven or eight years, six or seven. And I think they're ready to just let HBO do whatever it wants with the prequel or any potential sequel. I think it'll be a prequel, but yeah. probably. Yeah. And uh, that's actually why I really hope 
that they mean it. Because the last thing I want to see is them to pull a Peter Jackson, and oh, once they get their yes. energy back up, suddenly go, eh, you know, we could go back and do this again. We don't yeah. trust anybody else to do this. We can't really let it go. Because we all know how that turned out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say something. And I forgot Hobbit, what it was. I, I, got so, was. I got PTSD from the Hobbit movies. So. <laughs> well, I, I think, too, it'd be, you know, if you're going to do a prequel series, it's going to have a completely different theme and feel to it other than what we're watching. So I think it'd be kind of, in a way, a good thing to have different voice on it. Because if they did yeah. something like, you know, something episodic like the Adventures of Duncan Egg, which are, you know, they're very, you know, they're like the old Star Trek where they kind of have a, it's all contained in one episode type thing as opposed to now where it's a, you know, grand overarching, you know, plot, you know, you would want someone that's kind of got a different take on things to ha- have the reins, so to speak. So I think it could still work. I don't think they're the only ones that can make, uh, you know, stuff set in Westeros work. So, well, who, who also, do you can think? You imagine, can you imagine being just, just as an aside, cause how much money, do you think they make from Game of Thrones every year? Like Buku, many of them wise. Buku is all I know. Buku bucks is great. Can you imagine being so rich? You're like, I think I want to walk away from that. Yeah, forever. I, yeah. Because I gotta imagine HBO would probably give them anything they wanted to come back and do a sequel or a prequel or anything Game of Thrones related. I gotta imagine HBO would be like, "How much you want? Done." Who could you know even I mean? take over the reins, though? I don't even know uh, showrunners out there right now that I would even trust to take over the reins of the show. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it definitely be huge shoes to fill. It would fill. have to be a newcomer, I think. I don't think you would. I don't think you could bring in somebody. Like they were newcomers when they came exactly, in. exactly. Yeah, they had their. They kind of had their feet a little bit wet in the industry, and they'd done some projects. But yeah, definitely nothing as massive as Game of Thrones. So you could always bring in Alan Ball and have vampires and and, and lots of like. Mm. Oh my god. Anyway. You know what they should do? They should make a show about zombies, but then ignore all the things that make zombies interesting and just really focus on terrible character development. So if Scott Gimple. Characters, you want Scott Gimple yeah, as a showrunner? If they, could, if they could just not develop a character for seven seasons, that would be great. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to call it a, a podcast. Uh... It's going to be a short podcast tonight, but we got a lot of the good news out of the way, and it was fun. So for myself, for Isis Melton, for Annie Bundle, for Corey Phone, and for Corey Smith, thanks for listening. This has been Take the Black, Vlar Mogulis.